0: Hello, my name's Nathan, and I am Siren Radio's newest film critic. And what better way to do your first show than review three different Christmas films? Let's get in the festive spirit, shall we? It's that time of year. And what better way to start? With a bit of holiday spirit. So, the films I'll be reviewing are Home Alone, The Holiday and the 2010 Christmas special of Doctor Who titled A Christmas Carol. I think we'll start with Home Alone, the 1990 Christmas modern classic directed by Christopher Columbus, starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Heard and Catherine O'Hara, to name a few. So, I'm going to come in with my first ever film review for Siren Radio with a pretty big hot take. This film is overrated, it's not bad, it's good, it's, to be honest, it's bordering on good, so, but allow me to explain. So, how I'm going to structure all my reviews for, um, for this show is that I'll start with the good, I'll start, then do the mix, and then I'll do the bad, and then I'll do a sort of uh, overall opinion at the end and then give you my score out of 10. So, so for Home Alone, let's begin with the good. I think the first thing I want to comment on in the good section are the Wet Bandits themselves, played by Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. I think they had a lot of comedic energy, they had good chemistry, and I think it's where the script really shined in that area. Also, I didn't know Joe Pesci was so good with uh, physical comedy, um, but I think I'll go on and explain to that in my next point. But yeah, they were definitely, uh, the in terms of performance, the highlight of the film. The second positive I want to give this film is the score. Now I've seen Home Alone a good number of times in my life. And it's only this time that I realised this film was in fact scored by John Williams himself the man responsible for scoring films such as E.T., Harry Potter's 1, 2, and 3, as well as all the Star Wars films. I did not know this, and he did an amazing job. I think the scene that has, where the score shines the most is the scene where Kevin is setting up all the traps in the house. Uh, there's a piece that's sort of inspired by Carol of the Bells... Um, and it has a bit of like a rock element to it, and it just really stands out, and it was really, really cool. And my last point for the good is the most obvious one, the bit that everybody loves, and I think is probably the key reason why everyone sees this film as so good and overrates it so much, and that's the last 20 minutes where the Wet Bandits themselves uh, break in to the McAllister home, and Kevin uses all his traps like uh, dropping the iron, the spider, the paint cans, um, as as well as many other things. It's very funny um, and it was just a great time. I found this scene funny when I was a little kid. I still find it funny now. But it is where I think a lot of the overhyping praise comes to this film. Um, so, and that's what we'll be going into now with The Mixed. Now, The Mixed, um, here's the hot take. Kevin McAllister. Yeah, I didn't like his performance. And I know he's a kid and everything, but I've seen so many more films where the child acting just absolutely trumps Kevin McAllister's hair. So, off the top of my head, we've got child acting in Stand By Me, Goonies, um, Exorcist, E.T., uh, Taxi Driver-ish. I mean, Jodie Foster is in her teens here, but in Taxi Driver. But yeah, Um, so I don't think people should be defending this point by saying he's just a kid because we've seen a lot better child acting. Um, You know, when he's in the house and he's just shouting, you know, I I found that, you know, not really engaging, and I don't really know how, because it's a kid in his house able to mess around, and the performance is a bit wooden. Um, I also found that the... um, What's the word? Fourth wall-breaking aspect uh, to it, where he looks at the camera and says something along the lines of, I'm alone in my house, and has the eyebrow-raising thing. Um, I don't know how to feel as a a long fat long-term fan of The Office, it's uh it's quite a nice thing to see a fourth war break, but uh yeah, it wasn't the best thing to see. Um and to be honest, apart from the last 20 minutes, the rest of the film is incredibly mediocre to me. It's kind of similar to how everybody praises the Pixar film up. Okay? Hear me out, hear me out. Um we Everybody still remembers Up for the amazing montage sequence titled Married Life, where we see Carl and Ellie's life as they grow old, and everybody praises the film to no end because of that main sequence. And personally, I do love Up, but as soon as the Married Life montage ends, it's just a fun family romp through... The Amazon rainforest or wherever they are. Niagara Falls or something like that. And it's kind of the same here. But and the tail end. So everyone loves the 20 minutes. Me included. I don't have a problem with the last 20 minutes. But it's all the stuff beforehand. I can't forget how mediocre the whole film was. Until the last 20 minutes. So yeah. And finally we're going to go on to the bad. Now I only have... A few points here, luckily, because I don't want to be a Scrooge and give a Christmas film a low score because I have done that to quite a few Christmas films and I'm sure I'll be able to tell you my opinions on them at a later date. But my only point for the bad is the side stuff, the stuff with the rest of the McAllister family. I think all the kids on uh, that's not Kevin are even worse than... uh, macaulay culkin the actor who plays buzz is slightly better but he does he's not in the film that much um i found the stuff with kevin's mom extremely frustrating as she you know she doesn't stay in paris she zips around the world going plane after plane after plane and then gets home and then after after a couple of seconds hugging and holding Kevin, the rest of the family arrived because they took the direct plane and it just just made no sense to me. And I didn't like the scenes where she's arguing with the reception staff. I don't know if that was meant to be funny, if that was meant to be emotional. I just felt nothing. And I just kind of wanted it to go back to the stuff that's happening with Kevin. But I don't know. Um... I didn't like the stuff with the people in the van as well those characters were not well developed at all and they were kind of a crucial part to her story the whole reason she got home was the people in the van and they were barely developed at best so yeah that was my that's my only point negative point uh for home alone there so I'm going to wrap it up overall home alone <sighs> It's it's a film I used to really love as a kid, but as time has gone on, I think it's just fine. It did get me in, in the festive spirit, I'll give it that. It's decently written, uh, and the story, the main story at least, was relatively entertaining. The last 20 minutes are fantastic, but it doesn't mean that the mediocre at best 80 minutes before that just didn't exist. Personally, it's not the best Christmas movie at all, but I'd still re-watch it again. But probably not for a couple of years. I give Home Alone a 6 out of 10.
1: Christmas on Siren Radio.
0: OK, the next Christmas film on the docket for this episode is The Holiday. Uh, It was made in 2006, directed by Nancy Myers, and stars Jude Law, Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet and Jack Black. Now, unlike Home Alone or the Doctor Who Christmas special called A Christmas Carol, I've never seen The Holiday before. I've seen a few Nancy Myers films like The Intern um, and uh, The Parent Trap, which uh, is a film I really don't want to revisit because I think my opinions of that will tank um, because I really used to love that film as a kid. But here we are with The Holiday. I've never seen it before. um, And I'm not much of a... Rom-com sort of person. But I'm open to any film. Um, But I would have to admit. I was going into this. Expecting not to like it. Um, I thought it was going to be. Incredibly soppy. With a lot of lovey-dovey elements. And don't get me wrong. It is definitely that. But it's redeemed. By one simple word. Charm. This film is piled to them brim with so much charm. All the characters are incredibly charming and they all have distinct personalities and their own quirks and charms. For example, Cameron Diaz's character has this whole American coming into Britain sort of culture shock, you know, driving on the wrong, the wrong side of the wo- road, um, having a troubles with Jude Law and also not being able to cry. There's a big sort of character development all focused on this character's inability, I guess, to cry. And obviously, it's the most obvious plot character arc in the world that some point in the film, probably near the end, she'll cry. And she does. But it's still quite a... It's one of those um, obvious character arcs that you still feel satisfied when it happens anyway. I think an, another thing to, with these characters is their relatability. There's a, another story arc that um, follows Iris, who is played by Kate Winslet, and Miles's character. Now, Iris is um, an employee for Miles's um, newspaper magazine, company and Iris is completely smitten for Miles and they did actually have a sort of on and off relationship and she just can't get over him and it's not healthy for her to still be there. We see her um, email him saying that she needs space and that's why she's gone all the way to America and it was just really relatable. Um, I've not been uh, in a lot of relationships but it's that sort of The way it's written that even people who haven't been on, on and off, unhealthy relationships that I can, I have, um, we can still sort of relate to it. We can still sort of understand and care about these characters, even in situations that we haven't experienced, you know? And obviously you could say that about any film on the planet. You could say, oh, well, you're not going to save the world like Batman and Superman, but you're still invested. But this is more of a realistic... One people have been in unhealthy on and off relationships where one's smitten for the other and some haven't like me but i still really really connected to that to iris's uh struggle here and that's really to do with nancy meyer's script uh which is for a christmas film really good not just a christmas film a soppy kind of cringy Rom-com Christmas film. This kind of ticks all my boxes of things I probably wouldn't like. But again, it's that charm. It's that that sort of whimsical, upbeat charm that just makes it work and made me smile throughout. So, yeah. Uh, I also really, really liked the side plot with the neighbour in America who's um, an old sort of golden age of film screenwriter. It was quite powerful in a way, Um, not just because, you know, it's someone who has a vast, deep history and knowledge of film, but it was really nice because they have a sort of celebration show for him and he's like, oh, no one will remember me. I don't want to go. I don't want to be doing this, that and the other. And then we see this scene and there's so many people in the room and he gives a really cute speech and um Kate Kate Winslet and Jack Black get together in that scene as well and it's just really nice and it's wholesome and that's kind of the run, another word that is throughout that happens throughout this film it's charming and it's wholesome and at christmas what more do you want um if we're going to go to the mixed or the bad Um, I wouldn't say bad, probably more in the mixed area. It wasn't really as Christmassy as I anticipated. Now, that's probably more to do with America. The scenes in America, they genuinely looked like they were filmed in the summer. And someone just had a wind machine whenever they were outside. Because it looked scorching hot, you know. I've not... Been to America in the winter time, so I don't know how much snow they get in. Uh, um, I can't remember where she goes. I think she goes to California, so I don't know how much snow there is in California at Christmas time. But um, it, it, the film just had this sort of sense that this could have been, this could have set, t- taken place at Easter, and it had been the exact same film. Um, literally, all you'd need to change is all the scenes in britain change it from snow to rain i'm not joking i'm not joking so that's kind of like that's kind of a disappointing element i came into it well i came into it not thinking i'd enjoy it and also came into it hoping it would really get my christmas feet spirit going and it kind of didn't it just didn't do anything like it did have like the odd christmas film in the background But, you know, those songs could be replaced with, I can't think of any Easter songs, but, yeah, it could just be, it could easily be swapped around, a quick script rejiggle, and it can be set at any time of the year if they want. So that's kind of like quite a disappointing element. So, yeah, that's, that's that, that's uh, the holiday. I'm going to uh, do my overview now, so holiday. It's not a perfect film. Like, it's not. It's not a film that's going to blow anybody's minds. It's kind of the sort of Christmas film that I'd watch now while I'm wrapping presents. You know, I'm not really focusing on it. I'm doing something else. But every time I look up, I'll smile and through the charm and the wholesome uh, nature to it. Um, I think the performances were. Relatively good. I think Jude Law did probably shine the brightest compared to the rest. Uh, the script was really good, and if you haven't checked it out and you're in the news for some festive mood lifting, go check it out. It's it's definitely worth your while. I know films from like um, Nancy Myers and Nora Ephron sort of have this reputation for being dead girly, lovey dovey films. Um, but they are quite decent, I'm not going to lie. I was in that camp of, no, I'm not going to watch them, but it, it's definitely worth your while, and I think this one is as well. It's fun, it is relate- it's relatable, yet yeah, it's predictable, and not as Christmassy as I expected, but it's still a very fun time, and I give the holiday a 7 out of 10.
1: Christmas. <laughs> On Siren Radio.
0: Finally, here we go, the last film. Well, it's not a film, it's a TV special. So, a bit of background. I am a massive, massive Doctor Who fan. I've been watching since 2010, so um, this year actually marks the year where I've been a Doctor Who fan longer than I haven't been. So, yeah, uh, my first series that I watched was Series 5, that had Matt Smith, Karen Gillen, Arthur, Dar- Arthur Darville. Yeah, Arthur Darville, and I just fell in love. I just knew in an instant that was it's my show. and a Christmas Carol was the first Doctor Who Christmas special that I watched, and it's still the best. It's really, really good. So think about the classic tale of A Christmas Carol. We have Ebenezer Scrooge who is a horrible old miser who hates Christmas and on Christmas Eve gets visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present and not future. It's Christmas yet to come. And afterwards it changes his worldview and his love for Christmas is renewed. So and this is exactly that but a Christmas, uh, not Christmas spin, a Doctor Who spin. So instead of Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooge, it's Kazran Sardik, who's played by the amazing Michael Gambon, who is just amazing. Just amazing. Um, The way they do, especially the past elements of the Christmas Carol uh, story, is just really good, because instead of taking... Ebenezer, or Kazran in this instance, to the past to look back, the Doctor goes back in time to Kazran's past, and changes his past which gives him these memories and he spends all these Christmas Eves with Kazran, and it gives him these memories of going to this planet, going to this place, going on a uh, sleigh ride that with a a shark attached to it. Now, you might be like, "What a shark?" but just watch it and then you'll understand why and it's really really it's really clever to be honest. And so we have these scenes where Matt Smith is talking to this younger version of Kazran and then we have Michael Gambon sitting in his chair saying stuff like, "These aren't these these aren't memories I had." But I did, and it's just really, really clever. And speaking of performances, Matt Smith, my doctor, is absolutely on fire this episode. He has so many amazing lines. There's one line that gives me chills every single time, where he sees this character of Abigail uh, and asks, uh, who is she? And Kazran says, nobody important. And the doctor says, uh, and I quote, Nobody important. Blimey, that's amazing. Do you know, in 900 years of time and space, I've never met anyone who wasn't important. And that line gives me chills every single time. His performance and Stephen Moffat's script is just on point throughout. Um, (laughs) I probably should say, maybe this is biased because this is when I, you know... You know, it's my favourite show, it's one of my favourite series, it's one of my favourite specials since I was nine, you know? So, of course, I'm going to be, like, gushing about it. But if you watch it, you'll see where the merit is deserving. So, if I were to give one teeny tiny nitpick, it's that um, while the... Um, Ghost of Christmas present and Ghost of Christmas yet to come scenes are really impactful and really do sort of choke you up. The past element does take a significant amount of time. The special is about a minute and, f- uh, not a minute, an hour and five minutes long and I think the Ghost of Christmas past stuff takes about 40 minutes of that time. So they don't this it does sort of develop the character of Kazran more as we see him age up and why he turns into this character. But it's, you know, I do wish that the other two ghosts, so to speak, had a bit more time. But again, that's a nitpick because I think because they're so short and so impactful, that's what makes them a bit... Different, they're special in that sort of way. Um, So I've tried to skirt around spoilers here because I think it's definitely one that you need to see with fresh eyes. That's kind of what's going to happen with all my reviews. They're going to kind of be like spoiler free, completely spoiler free. Um, Maybe with some reviews in the future, I'll do one spoiler free and then spoiler filled review. We'll see about that. Um, But I think it's definitely something to see as it plays out. Because, yes, it is inspired and is structured like uh, A Christmas Carol. But it does things in a different Doctor Who-y way that really just makes it stand out. So, um, I love this Christmas special for Doctor Who. And I love Doctor Who so much. Um... We won't go into how, this, how the show is like in, uh, in uh, its current stage because that's not a film, that's a show. Um, and this episode isn't actually a film, but I wanted to be cheeky and throw this in because if we're going to talk about Christmas stuff, I might as well throw in one of my favourite pieces of Christmassy media. So, uh, with that being said, I'm going to wrap up my Christmas Carol review and this episode by giving the uh, Doctor Who a Christmas Carol a 10 out of 10. I know I said the nitpick about the ghosts of Christmas past and yet to come stuff, but they're so minor that I'm not going to forget, not even going to think about it because they are actually really good in their own right. I just wanted more. So, in, in anything, it's a nitpick on the positive. I wanted more. So, yeah, 10 out of 10. Um, so and that's going to do it for this episode um i i do i plan to watch as many films as i can i'm always watching a film so no doubt i'll be uh, doing maybe another christmas uh, episode here uh so um yeah we've got a i've got a lot of ideas for this show coming um lots of old films lots of new films and i just can't wait to begin so i hope you enjoyed this episode You've been listening to me, Nathan Pound, Siren Radio's film critic, back with you soon.